0: This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Shovtim. Prompt replies. True to its name, Parashat Shovtim, Judges, contains many of the laws and principles of rabbinic jurisprudence, including the memorable Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, Pursue righteousness, righteousness. Sh'toftim v'shotrim titen sharacha, asher Adonai Ta'am mishpat tzedek, 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 tirdof, asher Adonai Elohecha you shall place judges and enforcers in all of your gates that Hashem, your God, gives to you, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. Pursue righteousness, righteousness, tzedek, tzedek, tirdof, so that you will live and inherit the land that Hashem, your God, gives to you. What is this righteousness, righteousness? tzedek, tzedek, and why do we run after and pursue it? Most significantly, what does this phrase mean outside of a juridical or social justice framework? How do we pursue this kind of righteousness in our everyday and interpersonal lives? Rabbi Simcha Bonim of Peshischa teaches that the doubling of the word tzedek in the phrase tzedek, 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 tirdof is certainly not redundant and not even there for emphasis. He suggests that one of these tzedeks should be read as an adjective so that the phrase now reads, pursue a righteous righteousness. On his reading, it is not enough that righteousness be achieved, but the appropriate outcome also needs to be obtained in a righteous way. Justice alone is not sufficient. We need to pursue a just justice. What this verse might mean is encoded in the strange verb it uses, tir'dof, which means to pursue or run after. One would have expected a verb related to adjudication, not chasing, righteousness, righteousness, you shall judge. By using the language of pursuing and running after righteousness, the verse urges fervor and intensity in our commitment to justice. And even more critically, it also implies speed. Righteous righteousness is running righteousness. It demands a prompt and efficient trial. The Mishnah and Sanhedrin outlines how long a trial should and may take, depending on the type of case under deliberation. mamono Danin Bayom, Begomrim, Balaila. Bezine Fashot Danin Bayom, Begomrim, Bayom. Dini mamonot, Gomrim, Bobayom Bayom, Ben Lischut, Ben Lechova. Bezine nefashot, Gomrim, Bo Bayom, Lischut. Uveyom shall acharav, Lechova. Both monetary and capital cases require full investigation. Trishava Chakira. As it says, one judgment shall be for you. Monetary cases are judged during the day and can be finished at night. Capital cases are judged during the day and finished during the day. In monetary cases, one finishes on the same day whether or not it is a case of liability or exoneration. In capital cases, one finishes on that day for an exoneration, but finishes on the next day for a case of liability. According to the Mishnah and Sanhedrin, the suggested duration of a trial is a single day. This is actually possible in a system that relies only on eyewitness testimony and does not admit circumstantial evidence. Most of the time spent during the trial is on the judge's deliberation, not on the proceedings themselves. If allowing the trial to continue for a second day will result in saving the life of a defendant, the deadline for a verdict can be extended. The right to a prompt verdict cannot be otherwise superseded. The Ramban explains that in order for this system of justice to work, there also needs to be many judges and available courts. Since if one has to wait for days, months, or even years for a trial, it does not do the litigants much good that the trial itself concludes within the day. V'tam v'shavtuah ki, וhiוד להם שופטים רabbים ייליח אשוק אל שופית בחל איח שירצה וימצא אנו מזומן כי יליחא לא יוחל ליתכארף בחל איח מיבנין חמור הגדולה אשר לפנכה וATTER דה הגדולה אשר לא ורabbים מהם יסבלו החמásה נסאל להם מיבנין שלו יздמין להם להגידו לכה ולו ירתו לאזוב מלח там And the reason why there needs to be a system of appellate judges is that they will judge the people at any time. For when there are many judges, the oppressed party can go to a judge at any time he wants and find him available. Because they won't be able to approach you, that is Moshe, at all times because of the great multitude of people that is before you and the great difficulty that you have. And many of the people will suffer the exploitation done to them because they won't have the ability to tell you. And they won't want to abandon their work or their business until the open time when they could approach you. The Ramban imagines Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, explaining why a multitude of courts are required for justice to be served. If people have to wait forever to get an appointment with the judge, they will conclude that it is just not worth their while to pursue their case in court. Having to work around the judge's limited schedule is not just a slight inconvenience. It can actually be an obstacle to getting justice at all. The sacrifice here is that under the appointment system, everyone who wanted to would get the opportunity to have the highest quality judge, Moshe himself, to hear their case. However, Yitro emphasizes that an insistence on the best justice, no matter how long it takes, is short-sighted. It will be so burdensome, the process will be so lengthy that we will end up with no justice at all. A walk in court with a lower ranking judge will end up providing better care to individual litigants and be more stabilizing to society. Just as Yitro's system of many courts comes at the cost of having a high level judge for each case, so too the Talmud Yerushami acknowledges that a commitment to speed and efficiency can come at the expense of thoroughness of investigation. Nevertheless, the Talmud there insists upon prioritizing producing a quick verdict. Z'ira bar Chin and Abishem, Rabbi Hanina and Yehuda. Amar Vita Rasha Vecha Karta Veshal Daheitev Vechal Amar Terek Terek Tirdof Hakheitzad Im Matro Hadin Sheyotze La Amito Hakruhu VYimlav Tadkehu. Zira, son of Chinenah said in the names of Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi Yehuda. One verse says, you should seek and investigate and ask well. And another verse says, pursue righteousness, righteousness. How is it possible to uphold both verses? If you see that the valid judgment will be achieved thereby, investigate the witness, and if not, vindicate him immediately. Zira bar Chinenah points out a tension between the demands of these two verses. On the one hand, justice needs to be pursued, that is, expediently. But on the other hand, court proceedings need to be handled in a way that is thorough. He resolves this tension by saying that we are often mistaken in insisting on an identical procedure in every case. Some cases are clearer than others, and in those cases, we can safely dispose with some of the bureaucracy. Without going through all of the paces of due process, we can achieve an even better result. By vindicating quickly. In fact, when the judges choose to deliberate more than necessary, it is considered to be a type of oppressive judgment, according to the Bartanura's interpretation of the Mishnah in a vote. <laughs> Sword comes to the world on account of oppressive judgment, inoi hadin, distorted judgment. And those who make Torah decisions contrary to the halacha, and the Bar Tenura explains, inoy hadin sheyodim hadin ve'en oppressive judgment is that they know which way the verse, in, that they know which way the verdict inclines, but they delay and do not decide it. The Mishnah in a vote is very clear that delaying a verdict is a cruel practice that can have repercussions beyond just the wrong done itself. However, neither the Mishnah nor Bartonur's commentary supplies a reason for why the judges are not coming forth with the outcome of their deliberations. A sinister reading would be that the judges are deliberately delaying in order to cause this suffering. Or they could just be enjoying the argument and not thinking about the litigants at all. It is also possible that they might actually think that they are doing the right thing, combing over their notes, being ultra-thorough, and merely not remembering that there is a human cost to their commitment to precision. There is someone waiting to hear from them who suffers more and more as each second ticks by. The danger and in even innocuously delaying a trial is highlighted by the Mechelta, this Midrash references the story of the ten Tanaim who were martyred, and features a harrowing conversation that took place between two of them on their way to be unjustly killed. Im anu ta'aneh. Echad inoi mirubeh, echad inoi muat. K'var ha'ya Rabbi Yishmall, Rabbi Shimon, yotzin leharig. Amar lo Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi shmal Rabbi, libi yotzay, שאיני יודע על מה אני נהרג. אמר לו רבי ישמעו לרבי שמעון, מי המחה לא בעדם אצלך לדין, או לשאילה ואחבתו, עד שתהי גומה כוסך, נו אל סנדלחה סנדלך, עוד שתהי עוטפת על תורה, אם אנו תענה, אחד עינוי מרובה, ואחד עינוי מועט. ובדבר הזה אמר לו, ניחמתני רבי. If you will oppress, Ano Te'aneh refers to both a great oppression, Inoi, and a minor oppression. Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Shimon were on their way to be killed. Rabbi Shimon said to Rabbi Ishmael, My teacher, my heart goes out since I do not know on what grounds I am being killed. Rabbi Ishmael said to Rabbi Shimon, Never happened in your lifetime that a person came to you for judgment or to ask a question and you delayed him? until you drank from your cup, or until you tied your shoe, or until you put on your garment. And the Torah said, if you will oppress, both a great oppression and a minor oppression. About this, he said, you have comforted me, my teacher. Rabbi Shimon is being executed by the Roman government because he is a rabbi and a leader of his generation. But he wants to know on what grounds God is permitting this to happen. What sin has he committed that has enabled this sorrow to touch him? Rabbi Shmuel's answer is that Rabbi Shimon's sin was inoy hadin, an expression of "if you will oppress," which is followed in the Torah by the verse, "V'chara api v'ha'ra'kti atzem and I will be furious and I will kill you by the sword, because Rabbi Shimon caused anguish to litigants who came to him for a ruling by not responding to their need immediately, he has a sin on his record that could account for why this suffering is able to reach him. There are two subtle points that are critical to understanding this story. First, what anguishes Rabbi Shimon is not that he is being put to death. He is psychologically tormented because he does not know how this fate could become his. He's not concerned by the injustice Rather, he is vexed by the uncertainty surrounding this verdict. According to Rabbi Shimon's explanation, the punishment fits the crime in two ways. First, as the verse states, Inoi Hadin is a serious violation, theoretically punishable by death. But more importantly, by not having a trial or a divine communique, Rabbi Shimon is left in the dark regarding why he was in this situation. He is forced to experience the type of anguish that he himself caused. Rabbi Shimon is brought to understand that the waiting and the insecurity and the not knowing can be more devastating than the punishment itself. It is not inoi hadin to hand down a guilty verdict or to put someone to death. What is oppressive is the psychological torture that one causes by delaying or hiding that information. Rabbi Shimon's sentence is not commuted. He is put to death, but nevertheless he is comforted by Rabbi Schmal's words, which provide him with grounding, clarity, and an explanation. Rabbi Shimon's is a real sin, but it is also extremely common. Who among us is not guilty of making another person wait? Thankfully, most of us rarely, if ever, hold the authority to put a human being to death. However, we regularly have the power to cause anxiety and psychological torment by withholding information. Conversely, we are often able to share information in a timely and respectful manner, though we don't always choose to. We don't think much about the timeliness with which we respond to a wedding invitation or even an invitation for a Shabbat meal. But as hosts, we certainly know how it feels to be left in limbo when a potential guest does not respond. We may be in a position to hire, And know that we are not going with a particular candidate, yet wait weeks or months to let that person know they haven't gotten the job, if we tell them at all. Sometimes we know that a relationship isn't working, and we string a person along before we tell them what we already know. It's hard to be the bearer of bad news, and sometimes we like to avoid this responsibility for as long as we can. But delaying the inevitable is not a victimless crime. Each moment can be agonizing for the person who is waiting to hear, waiting to know, and we are actually making it harder on them by not being timely and forthright. And of course, often inexplicably, we also delay telling people positive or neutral information because we don't want to seem too eager, because we can't be bothered, because maybe, albeit subconsciously, we enjoy the power we have over another person to make them wait for us. When we don't respond within an appropriate time frame, we are in fact sending messages to the person on the other end of the line, often messages we don't intend it to send. When people are waiting, they often construct theories as to why the other person hasn't yet responded. Did I offend her? Does he not like me? People get the message that they are being avoided, that they are low priority. This is behavior we all engage in, and it can be a vicious cycle of delays, causing even more delays. After the acceptable window for responding to that text or email has passed, it makes us even more avoidant and traps us into a place where we know we have no excuse. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato states this clearly in his teachings on Zerizut, alacrity, in his mesilah Yisharim. Be'agiyah o l'fanav, o When the time for a mitzvah comes before him, or when it occurs in his mind, he should hurry and rush what he is doing in order to grab onto it and do it And he shouldn't let time after time increase meanwhile. Because there is no danger like this danger. Because each new moment is another opportunity for a new hindrance to the good deed. Just as a judge may not delay the verdict, so too we should pursue righteous righteousness by responding swiftly and sensitively to those who are awaiting our reply. If we can't reply in a timely manner, We should reply immediately with an excuse. The longer we wait, the harder it becomes for all of us. We should never let people hang on in uncertainty while they wait for our word. Though we may have overflowing inboxes and many tasks, large and small, that demand our attention, we should remember to prioritize the people in our lives and avoid causing them the anguish of awaiting a reply. Wishing you a prompt Shabbat. Thank you for listening to our weekly Dbre Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org/slash Torah.